Ready to have God remove all these defects of character? Today we're going to discuss steps 6 and 7 in this episode of Recovery Support with Kevin Bergen. This is Recovery Support, and I'm Kevin Bergen, licensed psychotherapist. This show is to support those in recovery from sexually compulsive behavior and to offer that support with education, inspiration, and motivation. I recently had a client, we'll call her Sue, who shared a big discovery she had made. She said, I thought my problem was uncontrolled online sexual behavior, but it's not that at all. I'm realizing more and more that it's my getting angry at my husband for not being home when he's earning an income to support the family. It's getting short-tempered with my five-year-old because she can't quite get herself out of bed, get dressed, make and eat her breakfast, rinse her dishes and brush her teeth and be ready on time like any 12-year-old. It's my tantrum-like response when someone uses my desk and doesn't keep the stapler, the phone, and the water bottle exactly where I like them. Really, I'm not working on recovery to stop sexually acting out. I'm trying to improve my resentments, my impatience, my perfectionism and intolerance. I'm really going to be a better person when I work this program, aren't I? Well, that problem is listed out on page 203 of the Sexaholics Anonymous White Book. Quote, Many of us felt inadequate, unworthy, alone, and afraid. Our insides never matched what we saw on the outsides of others. Early on, we came to feel disconnected from parents, from peers, from ourselves. We tuned out with fantasy and masturbation. We plugged in by drinking in the pictures, the images, and pursuing the objects of our fantasies. We lusted and wanted to be lusted after. We became true addicts, sex with self, promiscuity, adultery, dependency relationships, and more fantasy. We got it through the eyes. We bought it. We sold it. We traded it. We gave it away. We were addicted to the intrigue the tease, the forbidden. The only way we knew to be free of it was to do it. Please connect with me and make me whole, we cried with outstretched arms. Lusting after the big fix, we gave away our power to others. This produced guilt, self-hatred, remorse, emptiness, and pain, and we were driven ever inward, away from reality, away from love, lost inside ourselves. Our habit made true intimacy impossible. We could never know real union with another because we were addicted to the unreal. We went for the chemistry, the connection that had the magic, because it bypassed intimacy and true union. Fantasy corrupted the real. Lust killed love. First addicts, then love cripples, we took from others to fill up what was lacking in ourselves. Conning ourselves time and again that the next one would save us, we were really losing our lives. So these defects of character that Sue talked about are the problem of addiction. Your addictive behavior is merely the symptom of the problem. 
you're an addict, and defects of character well, that we all have are simply toxic to people like you. Your shortcomings may be totally different from Sue's, and we won't list all the possible shortcomings people can have. Yours are yours because you are unique. And that's another reason I tout the 12-step approach, because you can't figure it all out yourself. You need support and help. Whether it's your sponsor, your therapist, your clergy, or just talking with somebody else in program, you need the support of others who know, who get it, and who can support you in your own discovery and transformation. I'd like to read today from the Sexaholics Anonymous White Book on page 115, steps 6 and 7. We're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Pain. If we're on the right road, there inevitably comes a time when we cry out to God, I'm tired of this defect. I want to be free of it. Please take it away. The recurring distress it causes us, not to mention others, gets progressively more acute until it outweighs whatever pleasure or false support it was providing. This humbling realization, this moment of clarity, usually illumines one defect at a time. It is the essence of steps 6 and 7. It is often easy, having just taken step 5 with our sponsor, to take 6 and 7, declaring to sponsor God and the whole world that we resolve to put away our wrongs. This puts us on record as wanting to go in the right direction. But it's another thing to become free of the power these defects have over us. As with lust and our sexual addiction, we must take responsibility and the necessary actions so the grace of God can give us victory over these shortcomings too. Steps 1 through 5 should have the natural and inevitable effect of creating in us a new heart that wants to do right. Note that the wording of step 6 we're entirely ready, depicts a state of mind issuing from a prior change of attitude. If this state of mind is not present, something is amiss. The crucial attitude change that should have accomplished steps one through five, surrender, has never taken place. Surrender again. We do an initial steps six and seven, usually following the taking of our fifth step, when our awareness and resolve to be rid of our shortcomings are high. Without this willingness and initial surrender, we're not going anywhere in this new adventure in reality. We come to the place where we are entirely ready to start this healing process by surrendering the right to hang on to our defects, six. Then we ask them to be removed, seven. We understand from AA that the two words defects and shortcomings refer to the same thing. One way to start this process is to make a list of all the defects of character that were revealed in our fourth and fifth steps. Then, when ready to let them go, we ask God to give us the power to overcome them. The seventh step prayer in chapter 6 of Alcoholics Anonymous can be helpful as a starter. Quote, My Creator... 
I am now willing that you should have all of me, good and bad. I pray that you now remove from me every single defect of character which stands in the way of my usefulness to you and my fellows. Grant me strength as I go out from here to do your bidding. Amen. Action. We ask God to remove our defects, but we start taking the actions required. For faith without action is dead. On a daily, hourly, moment-by-moment basis we begin. Usually, it's one defect at a time, every time it shows up. One incident, one encounter, one trial at a time, we stop, look, and listen to our feelings and review what happened. Sometimes we have to write it out to see it. No matter what wrong the other party has done, if we are disturbed, there is always something wrong with us, especially in the area of attitude. If we don't see what's wrong, we ask for the willingness to do so. When we see it, we acknowledge it and ask for courage and wisdom to make it right. Then we go make it right, leaving the results up to God. The results inside us are immediate. We are overcoming our defect. Quote, This is without a doubt the greatest therapeutic process known to man. It works every single time. I'm not subject to fate anymore. I have a choice. I can change the course of my life. I can change me. Unquote. In steps 6 and 7, we surrender to the defects uncovered in our inventory. In steps 8, 9, and 10, we amend our past and present wrongs. In actual practice, these steps all work together. We can't surrender our defects without making right the wrongs they cause. And conversely, making right the wrongs they've caused helps us surrender our defects. Quote, That must be why none of the help I sought ever changed me. I had to change myself. And for some reason, I can't fix myself without fixing what I do to others." No matter how much we come to know about the 12-step program, it is the actions we take to let go of our defects that bring the results. And dramatic results they are. An ongoing process. In recovery, we find that steps 6 and 7, once taken, become a continuing process. And rather than being a matter of eradication of the impulses to think or do wrong, it's freedom from their power over us, one temptation at a time. The defect itself may remain, but we no longer have to obey it. When we surrender the impulse to cast ourselves onto God each time it shows its ugly head, we receive the power to be free of it. And gradually, the impulses themselves get fewer and farther between. Healing. When taking steps six and seven for the first time, our thought may typically be, that's a good idea, why not? And we go ahead and ask that all, or at least such and such defects, be removed. Resentment, for example. But later, when the flames of resentment begin to consume us again, we may finally despair of it enough to really work the steps on it. By then, we're ready to say, I'm ready for you to take them all away. 
These rationalizations may come about gradually or in a moment of what seems like suicidal surrender of our destructive self. Some of us may experience sudden release from some defects, but for most of us, there's one practical way to overcome our wrongs that has never failed. We surrender them up to God and practice making them right. After all, how much practice did it take to burn these sick patterns into our brains and souls? If we have a habit of lying or fudging the truth, we undo it by correcting the lie with the person involved. If we're resentful or hostile, we undo it by going to the person affected and admitting where we've been wrong. Where the other person is not overtly affected, we overcome the resentment by surrendering it and praying for that person. Or we may find we even have to tell that person about it to break its power over us, provided it doesn't injure them or others. Quote, It was in step study meetings where I learned how others were actually getting victory over their resentment. I was told to pray for the person I resented, asking for him or her what I wanted for myself, not just once, but every time I thought of that person. Even when I didn't feel like it, and I never do. It really works. I don't know if it does them any good, but it sure keeps me from burning up with it. Unquote. We find it helpful to pray for the objects of our lust because we're making the wrong right. The wrong within us, the negative force that lust represents, gets turned into a positive force inside as we give out to that person instead of taking in. Giving out heals us. We make the decision not to resort to lust, surrendering it up to God, and then He gives us the power to be free of it. We're going to end our readings right there today. And maybe you're ready to look at some of your shortcomings and identify what your underlying triggers are to acting out. But remember, it's a process, not an event. Get support in your process. The solution is on page 204 of the S.A. White book. Quote, We saw that our problem was threefold, physical, emotional, and spiritual. Healing had to come about in all three. The crucial change in attitude began when we admitted we were powerless, that our habit had us whipped. We came to meetings and withdrew from our habit. For some, this meant no sex with themselves or others, including not getting into relationships. For others, it also meant drying out and not having sex with the spouse for a time to recover from lust. We discovered that we could stop, that not feeding the hunger didn't kill us, that sex was indeed optional. There was hope for freedom, and we began to feel alive. Encouraged to continue, we turned more and more away from our isolating obsession with sex and self and turned to God and others. All this was scary. We couldn't see the path ahead, except that others had gone that way before. Each new step of surrender felt it would be off the edge into oblivion, but we took it. And instead of killing us, surrender was killing the obsession. We had stepped into the light, into a whole new way of life. 
The fellowship gave us monitoring and support to keep us from being overwhelmed, a safe haven where we could finally face ourselves. Instead of covering our feelings with compulsive sex, we began exposing the roots of our spiritual emptiness and hunger, and the healing began. As we faced our defects, we became willing to change. Surrendering them broke the power they had over us. We began to be more comfortable with ourselves and others for the first time without our drug. Forgiving all who had injured us and without injuring others, we tried to right our own wrongs. At each amends, more of the dreadful load of guilt dropped from our shoulders until we could lift our heads, look the world in the eye, and stand free. We began practicing a positive sobriety, taking the actions of love to improve our relations with others. We were learning how to give, and the measure we gave was the measure we got back. We were finding that none of the substitutes had ever supplied. We were making the real connection. We were home. To close off today, I'd like to share the third step prayer, which can be found on page 63 of the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous, page 95 of the Sexaholics Anonymous White Book, or by Googling Third Step Prayer. If you know it, please join me. God, I offer myself to Thee to build with me and do with me as Thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do Thy will. Take away my difficulties, that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. May I do thy will always. You can follow me now on Twitter, where my ID is clearhelp, and you can find my Twitter profile link at my website, kevinbergen.com. You can also email me at kbrecoverysupport at gmail.com. I do accept contributions to cover the expenses of this free podcast. You can donate via PayPal through the link on the show notes page, which is at recoverysupport.podbean.com. The Recovery Support Podcast does not promote any program or fellowship and only informs about resources that I have found helpful to my clients. Have a terrific week and have a sober day.